Warning, the Catholic Man Show contains high levels of manliness. It's simple, really. You either want to grow in virtue and holiness, or you want to be a sissy whiny baby. If you choose to move forward, grab your whiskey glass, because the Catholic Man Show is starting right now. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. Welcome all fellow dragon slayers. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side, so raise your glass. Adam Minahan here sitting with David Niles. Juan on the buttons, Mr. Producer himself this evening. In studio. Did I say in studio already? I don't think so. We're in studio. Um, Dave, I'm excited about this episode. We get a whiskey that we get to try that we've never tried before. Yeah. Um, and somebody sent it to us. I'm always a big, big fan when yeah. people send yeah. us whiskey. Send us your favorite one. We'll put it on the show. Yeah, and we'll give you a shout out. Yeah. This one, we'll shout out to... Okay, so I'll let you give your pronunciation, and then I'll try to give my pronunciation. Okay. Let me just see. Yeah. Ryan. <laughs> Last name. Oh, oh, yes. Of course. Ryan Burchett. Burchett. It's either it's that maybe Ryan Berchet, could be Berchet, could be Berchet. Typically, because it, it does have a double T ending. Correct. Okay, so that is a little confusing for me as a, Amer- a as a, an American. You I'm know not what a I mean? L- linguistist either. <laughs> I'm not a linguistist. Yeah. A linguist, I think, is the word you're. Oh, okay. Yeah, linguist. Okay. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, but it, you know, words are hard. I think that everyone believes you now. <laughs> That was just me I'm exercising. Not linguistist. A linguistic. Linguist. Yeah. You could say I'm not a linguistic person. Person. I guess. Right. But also a linguist would be a. It depends on if you wanted to be an, an adjective <laughs> or a noun. Okay. You see what I'm saying there? We're starting out strong. Yeah. I apologize. That's but my there's fault. no E after the double T. So, like. Right. So otherwise, and in that case, I would be, I would be with you on the Berchet. Okay. Well, either way, he's from. Uh, they sent us this whiskey, this weeded whiskey, this evening. It's uh, from Mississippi River Distilling Company. Let's 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 try some. It's, yeah. It's called uh, Cody Road. It's a single barrel straight bourbon whiskey. Uh, it's 105 proof. Yeah, barrel strength, 105 proof. Yes, is what it said on the bottle, I believe. And all of their grain that they get comes from 25 miles of the distillery. So this is oh, that's cool. This is literally like a, a very local thing. Yes. If you're, where is it from? Uh, it is from Leclerc, Iowa. Right on. Uh, this is really fruit of the earth and work of human hands, right here. Amen. So it, they all. It also suggests to add a little bit of water. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. For the big flavor. For the big flavor. So we'll try it without water first, and then we can. I have a little dropper with our very high tech. Dropper. I see that. Yes. It works. Yeah. So. Let's Swimmingly. Try, let's try this. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. And cheers to Jesus. Cheers. I'm a big fan of weeded whiskeys in general. Mm. Uh, the word weeded is a difficult word. I, uh, we were just discussing it before the episode began. And, and it's not used very often. So when you say weeded, it almost sounds like you're saying we did something that we did. Mm. 
so I felt the need to say, and so did you, wheated, mm-hmm. which also makes you sound funny when you try to do that. But yes, it is 20% wheat. So uh, the, the definition to be a bourbon is that you have to be at least uh, 50% corn. So this is 70% corn, 20% wheat, 10% barley. So that's why it's wheated, because the wheat is, you don't need wheat to be a, a bourbon. So another one, another good example would be like Maker's Mark. Mm-hmm. They use a red wheat. Um, and the wheat gives it some sweetness sometimes. I'm not sure. How, how is this one? I haven't tried it yet. It is, it's good. It has a nice bite. It's very peppery at the very end, uh, which I enjoy. But hmm. you kind of expect that with it being 105 proof. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it says Buffalo Bill Cody lived life large at this location. And he was born just a mile from their distillery. So they honor this legend with a big with a big whiskey. I wonder what it means to live life large. Like, what does that look like? I don't know. Do you think that's a good question? I guess. What do you think about the whiskey? I think it's good, especially for 105 proof. It's smooth. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of uh, that's a high percentage to you know round out so that it's smooth like this. Mm-hmm. It's very. It's very. It has a some caramel notes to it. A little, a little vanilla. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens whenever we add water though to it because I think that it's gonna tone down the bite at the end the peppery would be my do you want some yes okay good because i oh that's enough thank you because i accidentally dropped it yeah drops in there which is uh kind of um inappropriate right it's sort of like touching another you know you're sitting next to a dude at dinner and you just reach over and grab a piece of chicken off of his plate it's like don't touch my plate you don't you don't just drop water into another man's whiskey i agree Uh, that really is good it mellows it out a little bit yeah it is so interesting we we don't do this enough on the show Adding just a few drops of water, it really is incredible how much it can change a whiskey. No doubt. For good or for bad, maybe, but mm-hmm. worth exploring. As we sip this alcohol, so Ryan, thank you so much. Do you want to give the cho- toast to Ryan? I gave the last couple of toasts. Why don't you give a toast to Ryan? Ryan, I raise my glass to you. I thank you for your generosity, for your manliness, um, for exercising the what could be um, the virtue of um, generosity. magnificence. And magnificence. Because this is a public act, because mm. this show's all over the world. Anyway, uh, may we drink together in heaven of the finest drink that there is. Cheers. Way to go, Ryan. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Dave, this is, a, this is an exciting next couple of weeks for us uh, on the Catholic Man Show. One, we have our Catholic yeah. Man Show shirts that are now out and available. You, you're wearing one right now. I should have worn one. I just did not think about I it. I really thought you would be wearing one. I'm sorry. That was my fault. When you have a John Wayne shirt on, that's kind of cool. But Yes. So you can go to thecatholicmanshow.com and, and buy a Catholic Man Show shirt. There are four of them available. Four different types. And if you're a Council of Man member, you get the shirts at cost. Yeah. With a discount code. So you, you get that, which is kind of a benefit. Also... So if you want to join the Council of Man, go to thecatholicmanshow.com. You can find... You can find all the necessary information there mm-hmm. to do that. So you or can, patreon.com slash the Catholic Right, Ninja. yeah, so yeah. Anyway, do that because it's a cool thing to do. Next week is a big week for us. Do we want to, I guess we should. Yeah, Let's go I, ahead. Think, I think we should. So we're going to be on Catholic Answers Live both hours next Friday. Right. 
They're making oh, well, it a week, a week from this Friday. Okay, yes, not this Friday. Right, a week from this Friday. What is the date? What is the date on that? Twenty third. The twenty third. Anyway, Catholic Answer is making a huge mistake, but um, yes, <laughs> yes, the twenty third. But you know, um, so we're really excited. That's just the way. Sometimes that's the way it rolls. And so Cy Kellett is coming into Tulsa. Mm-hmm. He's going to be giving a talk in Tulsa, and but also he's going to be doing Catholic Answers live in Tulsa, and we're going to be the guest. So the first hour we're going to be talking about true friendship, authentic friendship. Yeah. And then the second hour we're going to talk about roles of fatherhood. Mm-hmm. So one thing you guys can do is tune in and listen. One thing you cannot do is try to try to stump us. That's not that's not okay. You can throw softball questions for us, but don't try to stump us. Yeah. Don't be a jerk. Because I'll, I'll Socratic method it on don't, you. Don't, don't, don't try just to be a jerk. Just ask you questions about your question. <laughs> so that's really exciting. I'm, uh, I'm excited about that. That'll be fun. I, mean, I am too. I'm also a little nervous. I'm very nervous about it. Kind of. Uh, I am. In my own way, I'm nervous. Well, the good news is, is that we just gave a talk on true friendship at the Courage Conference. I am somewhat relieved about that. So we, I feel like the, that topic is pretty pretty strong for us because mm-hmm. we just did that. In roles of fatherhood, we can, we can, there's no speculative theology or anything like that right. um, when it comes to these two topics. So we don't have to worry about like, for the most part, we don't have to worry about material heresy yeah. or anything like that with these topics, which is a very good thing. That is relieving. You're right. And even with the authentic friendship, all essentially we're just ripping off Aristotle the whole time. So um, it's like we're not even having to or, or like Socrates. have come up with insights. Right. It's not even our because it's just hey, let me share, let me share what these other smart people said. Right. Because I read them. <laughs> you could have easily done the same, but right. Instead, you can just call in and ask us a question. So it'll be fun. I, I'm excited to have Sai Sai here. He's a like. He seems like he's a lot of fun. I've never met him before in person. We've had a chance mm-hmm. to talk to him over the radio. Seems like he has a young spirit. I don't know if that you think you think so. Like maybe he has a youthfulness about him. I think. I think so. I mean, it seems like it. Yeah. He, he, he fits really well. I mean, he, he he jokes a lot, so it'll be it'll be it'll be very lighthearted. It should yeah. be a lot of fun. I've never actually talked to him. Yeah, we've talked to him on the radio. Uh, I mean, like talk to him, talk to him. Right. Okay. But I feel like he gets me. Well, that doesn't make me feel any better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that doesn't make me feel any better, though. Why? Because. You jealous? <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> Jealousy is hideous. Oh. Um, another thing that we're going to be doing is we're going to be opening up the Catholic Mantra Campout registrations. I've been getting a, right. ton of, a ton of emails about the Catholic Mantra Campout reservation. So here's how it's going to work for those who are, who've been asking me. We're going to open it up. The first rites of... Uh, you know, everybody has the first right of refusal who's in the Catholic uh, the Council of Man who support. So we're going to let them sign up first. We're going to let them sign up first. So if you are a Council of Man member, you have the opportunity to sign up first. Yeah. Once that has taken place, we've given them a week or so. Then we'll open it up to the public. Mm-hmm. You can go to the CatholicManshow dot com. The campout tab is is on there. You can you can check that out and you can sign. Now we're only going to open it up to a certain amount of people because we don't want it to be too big where it, it loses its intimacy. Well, also the monks. Right. We, they've asked us to limit it as well. So. Right. So it's going to be at Clear Creek Abbey, uh, outside of Tulsa. We're going to have people from all over the U.S. coming in. Actually, and it's and Canada and Canada. So uh, it should be a lot of fun. So we have a lot of things coming up on the Catholic Man Show. When we get back, we're going to jump into the man gear and the man topic. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles. Here with Adam Minahan. And of course, Don Juan on the button machine. We're drinking a little bit of Cody Road bourbon. It is a good bourbon. I wonder how... Did, did he say what the uh, retail price is? He of, did not. Of said bourbon? I mean, when you give someone a gift, it's... It's not like It's not say. a usual thing to say, hey, I got this for you. It cost $50. Right. I'm not sure that what... That would be a little bit weird, but... Uh, but you can go to... I'm sure uh, you can Google it. Yeah, you can go to mrdistilling.com, and you can find all of their whiskeys. M... <laughs> M or ducks, M M R M R ducks, M R M R distilling, Mississippi River Distilling dot com. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. You know what? It's such a good it's such a good time to be alive because every day there's a new distillery or brewery opening up, doing something incredible. The baby boomer generation is a, such a poverty of beverages. Along with other things. Drinking Bud Light and Miller Light their whole life, thinking they knew what was good. And they had no idea. Yeah. Oh, the horror. (laughs) Uh, I will drink a Bud Light if someone gives it to me. I will even be appreciative of it. Just for the record, I'm not. I'm not that guy. I had, but I had, still, I had some Coors Lights this week. Coors Lights this Cur, week. It's Coors Light. It's C R R R S. Coors Light. Coors. Had a, I had some of that this weekend, sitting by the pool. And it's also Cur C R R S L A T. Coors Lat. Mm. I'm glad to know. Yeah. Let's jump into the gear. Okay. I'm pretty excited. This was your idea for this gear. Actually, it was not my idea. Oh. I, I cannot take credit for it because we had a Council the, of Man mem- the member. Truth, the truth comes out. You tell me, I've got this great idea for a man gear. I said, I have a man gear for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Let's see whether that's misleading. <laughs> uh, the, 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 a Council of Man member, Daniel Monaco, sent us an email and gave us like a list of, here's some things that oh, I yeah, thought yeah. of. Yeah, he had a lot of stuff in that email. Which I saw was, that email. Which was really nice. One of them, he suggested, was a paracord. Which was going to be our gear today. Totally great. It's like rope except stronger. Yes. It is rope, but I really don't know what makes it. It's just woven more, I think. And it's probably made of like plastic fibers or I Ni- mean, nylon. Nylon. Yeah. Is, and you want to make sure you get which the is a plastic, USG right? contractor um, type of paracord because that that's like the real stuff. That's yeah. the real McCoy. Yeah. I've noticed. I've actually noticed this. Well, I have suspected that I've noticed this, that there are a lot of knockoff paracords mm-hmm. floating around hardware stores these days, because you'll go and there's a price disparity, mm-hmm. you know, between these things. And you think, why does this one cost so much more? Right. Also, uh, look for things like sun UV resistant. Um, mm, that's a good idea. Because the sun, the sun is what will just destroy stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you leave, especially plastics. If you leave plastic outside right. on your back porch, uh, um, you'll notice one day that if only one side is exposed to the sun, it's turning a white color, and the other side is still a nice green or you know whatever it is. Um, and so UV resistant paracord, because often when I use paracord, it's for stuff that I leave outside. In fact, recently I have some of these chairs on our back porch. I think I don't know what they're actually called I call them anti-gravity chairs they're just it's just a chair that reclines a lot it'll lay zero gravity, zero gravity chairs anti-gravity. Uh, anti- do you have any anti-gravity potion 
That would be a big seller. Okay. Um, but uh, the the cord on them, which holds up the chair itself, you know, mm-hmm. just disintegrated in the sun. It took a few years, but I just went and got some paracord and laced it back up. I keep still good because they were kind of expensive. I think I looked at replacing them and I said, I'm not doing that. Right. I keep paracord in my truck, in my glove box. Yeah. What happened that made me do this? That's a good idea. It is a good idea. What happened that made me do this is I was making a, a dump run where I, I had a bunch of sticks and, and stuff in my... You were hauling stuff to the dump. Yes. Not uh, like running to the bathroom. Or <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, and I had a bunch of stuff that I had to take to the dump, and I used those the come-alongs to strap it all down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I made a rookie mistake and took those come-alongs off and just kind of threw them down on the ground to unload... And I forgot to to grab them. Boomer. And I did not realize Boomer. it. I did not realize it until I got back with my second load. I was trying to strap it down. Didn't realize it, but I knew I had paracord in my glove box, and I was able to still push it all. You know, mm-hmm. keep it all mm-hmm. down. So that's what I, I use paracord a lot just to tie things down. Now, one thing that's super embarrassing for Ooh, me. I like how this is starting. <laughs> is I am terrible at knots. I am so terrible at making like uh, of like making slip knots and, mm-hmm. and different types of it, making them taut. I'll like get it all put down, all strapped down and like, okay, I just got to, I just got to tie, tie this knot and I tie it and then it's like everything, all the pressure is released and it's like, dang it. Yeah. Start all over again. It's super embarrassing so, that I can't like tie a knot that, that keeps things down. After we're done. You're going to show me? No. <laughs> you can learn it yourself. Uh, but every man should know how to tie a half hitch and a taut line. And a bowline, if you feel like expanding. The bowline is less versatile. doesn't slide. But the thing about a good bowline knot is that when, it tie, when it's tied, it's tied. Okay. Okay, so there are, there are a few qualities that make a knot a good knot. One of them is that the knot is easily untied. So a good knot is holds where you want it to hold and can easily be undone when you, when you want to undo it. Uh, when I tie knots, the taut line is by far the most versatile. Because you can use it to anchor onto a pole, or if you want it to slide, it can slide. Uh, it's, so it's a slip knot that just works great all the time. Um, sometimes, though, you just need to lash something. That's where the half hitch comes in. Hmm. Um, those two knots, and then the square knot. I always end up trying to do the square knot. and But you can't, you're not going to ever be able to tie a square knot um, where there's no slack. Right. There's always going to be a lot of slack when you're right. done. That's the issue that I always have. Yeah. So that's why you, the, the taut line, I, I use that <clears throat> by far the most other than tying my shoes. That I'm not counting. Is that, that a Boy Scout thing? You, I did learn it in the Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I, I only made it to Cub Scouts and then I bailed, which is why, you, why I... I yeah, you, you missed out on knots. I can do fisherman's knot. A fisherman knot. That's a good one. That's a good one to know. It's laborious to tie. It is. Because it's just there and you twist, twist and you twist, twist and right. twist and then you try to get it through the little hole. Right. And then that's where the hard part begins because now you got to like loop it back. Somehow like swarm your fingers around and right. get it and put it back. Yeah. It's, it's a, a good knot, one. but it's sometimes it takes me like three tries. Yeah. Especially first of the season. Mm-hmm. And you're trying not to hook yourself the whole time. Right. That's right. another thing. Yeah. So not to, like to impale the end of my finger. Mm-hmm. I want to avoid that. Absolutely. I do. Absolutely. Anything else about the paracord? It's just, it's, it's awesome because um, it holds so much weight. Uh, mm-hmm. A thin rope 
holds a lot because they, of it, weight. It used to be uh, originally it was called a parachute cord. Oh, really? And because they were using them in par- for that's parachutes. That's where it comes from. That's my understanding. Fascinating. You know what? That makes sense. They actually even used it to help uh, repair a like the Hubble tel- Hubble Hubble telescope in uh, this in space. Really? They used yeah used paracord to help repair that. Huh. I read that online a while back ago. Fascinating. So it was like, dang. It's like Velcro, paracords, super glue. What else do you need in space? Yeah. It seems like they fix everything with, with those three things. They make some really, really thin paracord too, which can come in really handy in the right situation. Whatever You know, sometimes you, you need something that's a nice thin rope to you know, fit, to loop into stuff or wh- you know whatever. What? Like a, a rosary. Kind of like, yeah, the size of a rosary. Like, a pa- like on the Catholic Man Show Rosary. Yeah. The Catholic Man Show Rosary. What's it called? Mini, people might, I think people call it mini paracord, but there's another name. Hmm. Jonathan Conrad told us it's this rope. People Cat- call it mini paracord. Catholicwoodworker.com. You can get the Catholic Man Show Rosary totally there. Totally check it out. Or you can go to... Uh, uh, or other other sweet rosaries at his website, too. Yes. That are indestructible. My, my kids, my boys have not been able to break one of the, one of his rosaries. That's saying something, because my boys, as we're praying the rosary, they're they're pulling it apart. They they put the rosary on their feet and they like do leg extensions with the rosary. It's ridiculous. And I have to continue to tell them like we don't do that with the rosary. But for boys, it's just there's they, they're not. It's not a choice they're making. They're just it's just like that's what they're doing. Yeah, they just yeah. So it's very durable. Is is what I'm trying to get at. Wonderful. I'm glad that your kids are testing it. And not mine, you know? Well, that's the difference between boys, boys and girls. Boys and girls, right, yeah. Yeah. But still, it's good to know. I'm glad it's been tested by someone. Big time. Yeah. Big time. Very cool. My boys have put it through the ringer. Nice. I'm back. Okay. Well so, done, Jonathan. Yes. Well done. CatholicWoodworker.com is, is where to go for yeah. the Catholic Mancho Rosary. So I recently saw some glow-in-the-dark paracord. Hmm. That would be kind of cool. I'm not sure what you would use it for. You know what would be handy? What? You know on the, the tent stakes, when you put up a tent? Mm-hmm. At night, you can never see those, those strings going out from your tent. Mm-hmm. But if they glowed in the dark, you wouldn't... Reflective sh- tape, dude. You just use reflective tape. Yeah, I mean, that, that would work too. But yes. it'd be kind of cool to have glow in the dark. If it worked. Yeah, I don't know if it does. A lot of glow in the dark stuff really doesn't work. Yeah, I presume that this does. And in that particular usage, it wouldn't have to glow for very long. Mm-hmm. You know, just a few hours into into darkness, right? Probably would be enough. Sure. So the paracord, you, many many uses for the paracord. Find it at your local hardware store. Yes. When we get back, we're gonna jump into the topic, which is obedience. Be an interesting topic. It's Dave's topic. So we'll see how it goes. If you guys hate it, you can send him an email and tell him how much you hate it. Yeah in here drinking a little bit of Cody Road whiskey. More on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I am bringing us back in from the break. If you're listening via radio, welcome back from the break, and make sure you tune in to Catholic Answers Live on the 23rd. Cy Kellett is going to be in Tulsa, and we will be on Catholic Answers Live for two full hours from 5 to 7, Oklahoma time. Our topic today is obedience. Obedience. David, this is a this topic is... I cannot believe we have not covered. I know that we've talked about obedience on different episodes, mm-hmm. but we haven't um, we haven't dedicated an episode to it yet. It's really funny whenever we have specific topics or topics like this that are like, we haven't done that yet. Right. That ha- it's been happening to us a lot recently. Like when we did the Good Life. Mm-hmm. You know why had we why have we not? You know yeah. when we run into new virtues that we haven't really read about a whole lot. It's like right, but we, I, I have felt like for a while now we've exhausted the main virtues we've done all the main virtues i've this is the way i felt i mean we even did stuff like uh i mentioned earlier uh magnificence we did the virtue of magnificence right but not obedience it's crazy weird totally weird anyway so we're gonna do it now the catechism has a there's a good section on obedience um so definitions number one define your terms That's always a great way to start. Obedience, according to the Catechism, is the submission to the authority of God which requires everyone to obey the divine law. Okay. That is all obedience. Whether it's... And it goes on, there's more, but... Whether you're talking about obedience to the state, to your mom, to God, to the church, whoever, it is all because of authority to God which requires us all to obey the divine law. Mm-hmm. Because everybody only has authority in as much as they participate in the authority handed to them by God. So and the this, authority that they are given isn't for their own sake. Correct. It's for those... Which they govern. Which they govern. Yeah. So this, the state can never tell you, you can't go to church on Sunday. They don't have the authority to do that. Right. Um, so obedience to the church is required in those things which pertain to our salvation. So, the church couldn't tell you, uh, you cannot drive under 40 miles an hour, or something like that. Right. They couldn't tell you who to vote for. They can, they can say, uh, you know, supporting these causes is intrinsically evil. Mm-hmm. Um, they can say things like, Voting for someone who's pro-choice because they're pro-choice, intentionally voting for a pro-choice candidate because they're pro- that's the reason you're voting for them, is a mortal sin. Mm-hmm. They can do that. Um, but once again, that's because thing. the politics have entered the realm of mor- morality. morality. Okay, Not because morality is imposing itself in politics. It's because politics is getting way off course well, I into think the politics realm. politics, by, by its nature, always... Goes into I mean, po- there's definitely some natural overlap, right. but when the politics is saying, yes, yeah, cool to kill people, that's fine. Innocent that's, people, it's cool to kill them. That's an issue. Yeah, obviously. So, But the same is true about the church, where the church, uh, when the church doesn't play in its lane, for instance, like let's say uh, the church is making statements about climate change. Which they can. You can make statements, but it's not authoritative. The church can give a general guiding guess. principles Maybe. about how to st- how to be good stewards of things, mm-hmm. but the church should not be entering into. Um, I, I don't think it's the the church's place 
And I mean capital C church. I don't mean individual clergy, because, um, you know, there have been many scientists that were priests mm-hmm. import, who made important scientific discoveries. They themselves, as scientists, certainly have a place in the, in the scientific community, but not as the church. You know, when they speak on scientific matters, they do so as a scientist, not as a priest. Okay? There's a difference there. So the church um, can say, you know, this is how you, you should always take care of things, you know, be good stewards of that, which, I mean, these are biblical principles. Definitely, we're all about that. But when it comes to science and what specific data points are or whatever, it's just not really the church's place. You, you see what I'm saying? Or you don't like that example? Fine, pick a different example. Uh, but the church has its own lane. So does the state. And we exercise different areas of God's authority. Ultimate, it's all, it's all about divine authority. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just we as obeyers, people who are being obedient to the authority, we need to know who to listen to. I mean, it's not hard to do. You just listen to the state in the, in the places that they have the authority over your life. So, um, and, and we are also obedience. Obedience is due to legitimate civil authority which has its origin in God for the sake of the common good and order of society. So okay. there's the overlap that we kind of were talking about. Right, right. So that's the purpose of government is to order society for the common good. Mm-hmm. Um, which would follow natural law. Which correct. should, should follow natural mm-hmm, law. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could do a topic on this someday. I am not near, we'd have to have a guest for this topic, but about the whole, um, oh, common good th- thing versus uh, social contract. Mm. It, the, the title of it is Escaping My in- Integralism. Inte- integralism. Integralism. In- integralism. Integralism. Yeah. That one, someone needs to come out definitively and say <laughs> how to say the word. Um, <laughs> and it's an interesting topic anyway. So uh, the catechism continues saying the fourth commandment obliges children to obey their parents. Mm-hmm. So there's one, one obedience also known as piety. That's the virtue of piety. Uh, piety is certainly that anyway. Piety sure. is a little bit more than simply obeying your parents, but right. that is mostly what it is. It is a pious act to obey your parents. Right, yeah. Um, in fact, we get we have, we have did an episode on piety. Um, that we didn't air. That never aired. But essentially, piety... S- sour we, we come We associate piety now with holiness... Because that really the definition of piety in its most basic form is obedience to your parents, um, and that also would include God as God our Father. We have a, you know we owe Him obedience, hmm. and so people associate I think often uh, that type of obedience to God, which could be called piety, as holiness. Mm-hmm. It's easy to see how those two get confused. Um, but then the Catechism goes on to talk about obedience of faith. It says, the first obedience is that of faith, to listen and freely submit to the word of God. Okay, that makes I sense. Mean, that, I mean, that's, I think... It's interesting that most of the time you hear obey in uh, in the Bible is the Pauline books. St. Paul typically is the one who, yeah. who, who uses the word obey. Yeah, or submission. Or submission. So there's, there's actually two different ways of obedience used in the Bible. I, I read this as kind of a... A dorky thing talked about Greek, the Greek words. Interesting, but they say uh, one of them is like to hear, listen, um, and to carry out. When so, like in the Bible, when it says "Hear, O Israel," it's kind of the obey, oh, like listen up and hear this. Mm-hmm. 
to obey. Do what I say. Do what I. And then the other word, uh, it's like hobo usi something. I, I I can't. Homo usius? No, 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 no. Uh, I don't. I don't remember the Greek word, but it it means actually submission. Like submit to the will, submit your will. It's like sub sub uh, be subordinate. So one of them is an external act, like kind the, of like, and the other one would involve an internal give your will over to this person. So one yes. of them is, I don't care if you want to or not, just obey. And then the other one is, f- align your will with mine. Is that? Am I? That's kind of. This, am this, I this kind of picking up what you're putting down? I think so. I mean, this is because those two are not the same. Correct. And the, and actually, Saint Ignatius talks about this. He has a it, the letter of obedience. He he wrote this. Did you? Did, I didn't. I did not. You, you, okay, good. No. I didn't want to t- steal your thunder. No, no, here. no, please. So in the Jesuit, uh, the Jesuits, like this is a, his prized writing is is on obedience um and it's been talked about for for a really really long time basically since he he wrote it it's been kind of controversial slash not controversial but used a lot and and discussed a lot the dominicans Mm -hmm. kind of have talked about it as well he talks about there's three different forms of obedience uh he talks about that there's an external uh form of obedience meaning like if your superior tells you uh you you do this you just even if you don't want to or you don't like it or you have a bad attitude about it you just do it you carry it right. out yeah the next one would be uh conformity of the will meaning that okay he tells me to do this i'm going to carry it out and I, and I want to do this and then the last one is conformity of the mind or the intellect which is kind of where the dominicans and the jesuits uh split here this is where they kind of had not issues but where they kind of had disagreements okay. on this because uh conformity of the mind or intellect means I'm uniting my will to that of my superior, which my understanding, this is kind of out of my league here. So I, I, I don't want to talk too much about it because I've, you know, I've done limited research on it, but my understanding is, is that the Dominicans had issues with that, with their, with your free will. But, um, St. Ignatius goes on to, to talk about how, hmm. uh, that's not necessarily the case. And he kind of gives reasons for that but so he talks about there's the three forms of obedience and the heart the reason why this is so hard is because you are submitting your will there's a sense of pride that says like nope my you know i'm going to be my decision my way or the highway kind of thing which yeah. i think a lot of men especially struggle with i have this idea my you know why is my boss making me want to do this uh you know my my idea is way better than this I don't want to listen to my boss. Uh, it's this dying to this to yourself that gives you this ultimate freedom. Right, yeah, and it's really the ultimate death because what makes us persons, you know, what is different us versus the other animals is that we have this free will, that we, mm-hmm. we choose things for ourselves, and that we have a will. Mm-hmm. Animals don't have the same will that we have, so when we surrender that, it's like the ultimate death of ourselves in order to submit ourselves for something greater, which is pointing to our to submission to God. Right. And it's this paradox. The more you, you know, the more you're obedient, the more free you really yeah. become. The more you die, the more you live. Right. So when we get back, we're going to continue this conversation on obedience. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side is so, so raise your, your glass. glass.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. We're talking about obedience today. Go give us a review. Be obedient. Yes. <laughs> Out of obedience, please give us a review. Uh, so, there is a work that I found, I came across, that in my brief skimming appears to be a real gem. One of those rare books that maybe every, maybe everybody else knows about this book already, and it was just me. Maybe it's just me. It's probably just us, but, both of us. But the people I've talked to have not heard of this book. It's called The Dialogue of the Seraphic Virgin Catherine of Siena. And apparently she was dictating while in a state of uh, ecstasy. Seraphic sounds like a dinosaur. It I'm does. Just, I'm just telling you, it sounds like Jurassic, I, Seraphic. I have not heard that title applied to her. I, I assume it's like the Seraphin. Yeah, uh, I would assume so. Uh, but yes, it's a sweet title. It is. It's pretty cool. Um, so people were writing down the things that she was saying that God was revealing to her. I, I, that is what it seems like is happening in this book. It's She's written in like a state of ecstasy. Yes, and that, she and it, the book is written as if she's simply saying the words God is saying to her. So it's God saying it. You know, private private revelation. Private revelation, of course. Yeah, um, you don't have to believe any of it's true. But um, it is very beautiful. And uh, just to hear these, this topic spoken about with such specificity, um, it, it's, it kind of reminds me of the way it's laid out of the Summa in that it is broken down into sections, like with subtitles, like why specific obedience is you know, greater than general obedience. Um, and so, you know... Then they'll talk right. about talk about that. So general obedience would be what all people do. Where's the breakdown of obedience? You know, what, what causes the disobedience? Yeah, so general obedience is, I did not commit any mortal sins today. Specific obedience in this case, the way they refer to it is that I am seeking to align my will completely with God. I'm, I'm making myself completely obedient to God, hmm. as opposed to, I didn't break any of his laws. You know, I didn't break any of his laws because... I sat on the couch right all day, you know, and maybe you, you did just, break. You just buried your talents is what you're saying. Right, exactly. Um, but Which is interesting. This is a Saint Augustine quote that piggybacks right off okay. that. It yep. says, uh, Saint Augustine says, for the for in the measure that we listen to our superiors or the authority, mm -hmm. God also listens to our prayers. Mm. So the more obedient you, you know, the way that you listen to the people who are obedient to you, God will listen to you through through your, you know, through your prayers. Yeah. The prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Month. Right. Yeah. Um, Which just, is pretty cool. Just today, in adoration, I was reading um, The Little Flower, the, the Story of a Soul? The Story of a Soul? Yeah. By The Little Flower, St. Mm -hmm. Therese. Um, and she was talking... Luke's, Luke's favorite saint, by the way. Oh, really? Yes. She is... She's a powerhouse. She is. Oh, did, did you go to... Uh, no, I didn't get to go. Oh, uh, I, I touched my... I know, we talked about this already. Okay, I'm sorry. Remember? I got, I got excited like, whenever... It's the, like the Transformer yeah. upgrading. Yeah. Yes, I do remember. Analogy. Yeah. Uh, uh, just like, there's a relic of St. Therese of Lisieux. I touched my... First uh, class. She first came, class. She came to Tulsa. Right. And I got a chance to I pray. I was hoping to go, but... Touch my scapular to it. I could not get out of the office. He wasn't holy. Efforts. He wasn't holy yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just love money so much. Yeah. Just, couldn't get out. Obedience. Any, anyway, yeah. um, in this book, The Dialogue of the Seraphic Virgin, Catherine of Siena, there is a whole treatise. The, the, she ends with obedience and talking about how great it is. Um, in fact, even Aquinas, he asks the question, is obedience the greatest of all virtue? He says no, but he, he did think that, hey, this is at, at least, least a good enough question. It's a, it's a worthy question to pursue. 
mm-hmm. where I don't know, but I doubt he does that for all the virtues, you know. Um, and he says no because the um, it's a moral virtue, and the theological virtues are are higher. Of course, uh, charity is the greatest of all virtues. But the thing about the virtues is that the more you perfect a virtue, the more it, it once you perfect a virtue, it transforms into charity. Mm-hmm. Obedience at its zenith becomes charity, and the, all the virtues are that way. Um, because essentially, if it's a, a religious virtue and not a secular secular virtue, natural natural virtue. Thank you. If it's a if you're doing it su- supernaturally, mm-hmm. um, meaning that it's a, a virtue you're you're doing because of the love of God, mm-hmm. then it will ultimately transform into charity. But um, obedience is so important because without it, you can't do anything right. So I think the reason why obedience is is kind of are like thrown along the right wayside is because especially today, like we talk about freedom, you know, we want to be free. I want to do whatever I want to do. Yeah. And there's a lack of authority in today's culture. I mean, I hate saying like in today's culture, there's, so, I mean, yeah. people say that all the time. Right. Yeah. But, um, it's true though. In, in reality, the idea of authority has just been thrown around the wayside. And if you don't have authority, then, then what's the necessity of, of obedience? There's like, there's a hierarchy yeah. here, and if you don't have any authority, then the, if it's anarchy, then there's no obedience. Right. There would be chaos without obedience. Right, and so I and uh, like we said earlier, is obedience is a submission of your will for somebody else. You know, for somebody something else's will, somebody right. else's will. Mm-hmm. So it's the dying of self because somebody else told you no, you have to do right. this. So everyone acts in obedience to something. Either you act in obedience to something higher than yourself, or you act in obedience to your lower self. So I will either be obedient to my hunger and to my passions, mm-hmm. therefore enslaving me, or I will learn to master myself and become free from those passions that reside within me in order that my will and my intellect might rule, um, which, is of a high, which is my higher nature, that I might serve God. And if, if I'm not doing it to serve God, then I, my lower passions will ultimately win. You know, mm-hmm. the hunger, it's either going to be hunger or God, okay? You, there's not a, really a middle ground, because either you're mastering yourself or you're satisfying yourself. There's, it's, there's not really in between. Um, so, there is another form of uh, obedience that we didn't mention, and that's the evangelical counsel, uh, the, the poverty, or the, the, the vow of obedience, that, oh. you know, that some people take, you know, and obviously that's what um, is considered to be the, the perfection of obedience. Do you know that ob- uh, Dominicans only take the vow of obedience? Really? Yes, because they, they say that all other, obe- all other vows fall under obedience anyway. The poverty and, cha- and chastity, because the, the superiors have already said, you know, we're, this is what we're doing. So all you need is obedience. Hmm. Interesting. I mean... And the, I've, I've always and the wondered, Jesuits actually take a uh, a special vow, a fourth vow. You know, it's uh, poverty, cha- chastity, and, and obedience. Yeah, the Jesuits take a fourth vow and of specifically the obedience to the Pope. Right, I did know that. Which is weird when a Jesuit becomes Pope, because now he's like <laughs> obedient to himself. You know, right. like it's just kind of funny. Um, sometimes I, uh, as a joke will try to order my wife to do things out of holy obedience. Doesn't work. Right. So... Turns out that's not a good strategy. So, 
uh, they also talk about that you're not supposed to, you know, you're supposed to be obedient to superiors unless your superiors are obviously uh, telling you to sin. That's that's something mm-hmm. that you, because you, right. you're ultimately obedient to God. So if mm-hmm. it goes against the natural law or the moral law of what God has laid down, then you have to be obedient to God. So, right. but outside of that, you know, we as lay people, we should be obedient to our fathers and our, our elders. We, we're obedient to the government. We're obedient to our priests. The priests are obedient to the bishops. The bishops are ob- obedient to the Pope. The Pope is obedient to God. You know, it's this big old hierarchy. And ultimately, we're all, we're all oh, obedient to God. Well, because it's this hierarchy. So how do you practice obedience? It's the little things. Uh, it, it, you know, they say that in order to have obedience, you have to have patience. So like what you were saying about denying yourself, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in fasting and prayer, uh, we should do this for the sake of not my will, but thy will be done. Uh, it's for the, it's the supernatural virtue of obedience, which means I, I'm doing this not because, uh, you know, it's what makes me feel good. I'm not praying because it makes me feel good. I get the spiritual high, I get the spiritual cookie. I'm doing it because I want to unite my will to God's will. Um, and right. re- and receive the grace. So it's these little things of uh, making sure that you're praying. You're praying da- on a daily basis. Making sure that you you know you have this. Re- mm, yeah, that's a good one. Having making locking down your prayer routine. Right. Uh, being obedient. Because when you don't want to pray, you do it anyway. And that's when it's that's most obedient. Es- 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 efficacious. Right. Is what, is what some of the saints say. Yeah. So I yeah, think so that- uh, we you touched on this a second ago, but what Saint Catherine of Siena says is that a sign that you have the virtue. Of obedience is that you have patience. If you're an impatient person, that is a sign. It's not definitive, but it's a sign that you don't have the possess. You don't have the virtue of obedience. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing that I started doing. This is ind- Tell me, independent of this episode, um, but starting yesterday. No, I started it about. I'm just joking. a week and a half ago. Okay. I am driving the speed limit. Exactly the speed limit. I have been a five over kind of guy my whole life. Mm-hmm. Okay, in my mind, that was the speed limit, five over. I like to pass people on the highway. Okay, when you pass somebody, it's like you beat them. Okay, it's right. a small victory. Nobody likes being passed. Right. Okay. Uh, and then at some point, it kind of gnawed at me very faintly. Not not like it was really gnawing at. Just like oh yeah, I want driving five over. That's kind of being disobedient. I actually owe obedience to this. To my governmental authorities, mm-hmm. um, even though I don't, I don't like that very often, um, especially when they abuse their authority. But I still owe it to them, um, regardless. And so I should actually be obedient in this case and to drive the actual tough. speed limit, especially since the mile right. of road right outside of our neighborhood, the whole thing is under construction. It's right. twenty-five miles an hour for the whole mile. Mm-hmm. Uh, because people are behind you and they're like r- right, right up on you. What's and I feel like I'm being rude, but I just have to. So driving the speed limit also takes patience. What's the saint that was the the doorman uh, who was super obedient? He had So his deal was is that he was so obedient that if someone invited him over for dinner and said like casually like, hey, have a mouthful of dinner, he would only take one mouthful, no more, no less. I do not know. I can't remember his name, but anyway. Uh, also, St. Francis says, I have always found that God has been mercifully pleased to make easy for me the most difficult and painful things when I have undertaken them in a true spirit of obedience, which I thought was pretty intense. Yeah, that's so. That's a good one. Anyway, we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. And cheers to Jesus. <laughs>